welcome to this Hot Topics podcast from NB Medical and Medcast. The podcast is part of a series based on the popular Hot Topics workshops and webinars. In this episode, our expert, Dr. Neil Tucker, discusses the recent developments in managing hypocalcemia in general practice. A copy of the Keep It Simple summary or KISS on this topic is available on the Medcast downloads page. If you would like to learn more and or to register for one of our nationally delivered face-to-face workshops, please visit our website. Dr. Neil Tucker introduces Sundeep, a present presenting with loin pain and abnormal bloods. Sundeep is a 63-year-old chap. He's an office worker, um, spends most of his time indoors, um, but uh, it's normally pretty, pretty, pretty well. But he comes in to see you today because he's got a new problem, this intermittent nagging pain in his right loin for the last two months. Uh, along with this, he's just feeling slightly achy. His muscles are just, something feels just not quite right. But apart from that, he's he's feeling pretty good in himself. So we're very thorough. We examine him extensively. We can't find any abnormality. He does have some past medical history. He's got a history of hypertension and reflux. So he takes indapamide and omeprazole. He's been taking those for years and years without too much trouble. We do a urine dip. Uh, we're thinking maybe there's some blood, could there be some infection? We don't find anything at all. So what is the likely diagnosis here? We're suspicious, could this be a renal calculi? Um, Maybe he's got hypercalcemia and that's gonna be driving this process. So we do some blood tests. We do a full blood count. We do um, uh, we do electrolytes and creatinine. We look at his calcium. We check his um, we check his diabetes and cholesterol markers as well. And to our surprise, all of the blood tests are entirely normal, with the exception of his calcium. But it's not raised as we are expecting. It is in fact low. So his adjusted calcium comes back as two point zero six. So this raises a few questions for us. What is the likely underlying cause that we're dealing with here? How low is too low for a calcium? When should we get worried? Is treatment required? How aggressive should we be in his management? And if if we are going to treat, with what and for how long? So um, this was a fascinating area because uh, this was this all came out of I had a, a couple of patients in quick succession with low calcium readings, uh, which really made me wish that I hadn't done the tests in the first place, um, because I don't necessarily know that it was going to be adding anything to um, to what they actually came in for. But nevertheless, I've got these results and I was duty bound to do something about them. But it turns out in the UK, there is no national guidance for hypocalcemia. Um, and so we were basically left to our own devices. So I went exploring what um, what I could find in the in the data, in the research, and in the recommendations. And the the best stuff came from the best practice put together by the BMJ. So they do systematic reviews of many common conditions, and there was some very helpful information from this um, body of the NHS, uh, which is called the Specialist Pharmacy Service, which also provided some guidance on how to manage this not uncommon problem. So firstly, definitions of hypocalcemia. We just need to be aware that um, the significant proportion of calcium circulating in the blood is bound to albumin. So whenever we're looking at, we always need to uh, adjust for the amount of albumin that someone's got. So labs will do this automatically. They'll always give an adjusted calcium. That's the one that we need to be looking at. So the normal range 
for me, double check it with your labs, but my normal range would be a calcium of 2.2 to 2.6 millimoles per litre. If it's under 2.2, that would be considered low. If it's under 1.9, that would be considered severe. That's when we're coming into medical emergency territory. So this is where I start getting myself in, um, in fairly hot water. So I embarked on talking about hypocalcemia, and then I thought I'd better talk about um, just the underlying pr uh, principles of it. And I don't want to get too bogged down in this sort of, um, very fine homeostatic mechanism, but basically, um, as you get hypocalcemia, that drives parathyroid hormone production, that has a knock-on effect in a number of different parts of the body. So um, you get more calcium reabsorption from the bones, you get calcium reabsorption um, from the kidneys and, the in uh, and absorption from the intestines, and it drives conversion of vitamin D as well, uh, which then facilitates um, facilitates uh, particularly um, effects on bones and intestines. Um, so far, so good. That's all we really need to know about um, uh, about the uh, the sort of the, the the feedback system. You can classify the causes of hypo para, um, uh, of, of, of hypocalcemia based around parathyroid hormone levels. And you can either do that um, just by PTH levels, or you can sort of think about it more physiologically. I think for me, probably thinking about it physiologically works a little bit better. So broadly speaking, and we don't need to know about this in much detail, but you might get um, hypoparathyroidism. So primary hypoparathyroidism, um, the main cause is going to be destruction of the parathyroid glands due to surgery. There are some autoimmune, um, rare genetic conditions. Um, it's small print stuff. You might have a patient with it. Most of us will not. You can get low calcium as a result of secondary hyperparathyroidism. So the parathyroid hormone is being produced, but for whatever reason, the body, the body just can't utilize it very well. So that's what we see in vitamin D deficiency. You also see that with hypomagnesemia um, and uh, CKD as well. Now, there's this condition, and this is rare too, so I'm not going to spend a long time on this, but there's pseudo-hypoparathyroidism. Uh, there's a number of different sort of genetic conditions that can drive that where um, the body is resistant to parathyroid um, uh, hormone. And don't ever say that endocrino endocrinologists do not have a sense of humor because they've also found a pseudo-pseudo hypoparathyroidism. So this goes well beyond the level of anything that we really need to know about. But um, if someone comes in with pseudo-pseudo hypoparathyroidism, initially I thought they must just be pretending. But in fact, um, all, all it is is that they have features of pseudo-hypoparathyroidism, uh, but they don't have any of the biochemical um, abnormalities. So essentially, um, uh, on the blood test, things look normal. There are other causes as well. Think about drugs. That's probably the big one. Um, proton pump inhibitors, steroids, those are going to be the, the key factors um, relevant to our, our primary care patients. Could be metastatic disease. Um, we keep that in mind. We might well know about that already before we just have an isolated hypocalcemic result, but um, it could be a potential cause. And then some acute severe illnesses can drive it too. What clinical features would we expect? So the clinical features correlate to firstly the severity, but also the speed at which that calcium falls. So in reality, most cases that we see in general practice are chronic, they would have been gradual, patients will almost always be entirely asymptomatic. If you do see patients, 
Uh, you see lots of patients. If you do see symptoms in a patient with hypercalcemia, it's likely to be something minor, like some paresthesia in the peripheries. They might get some muscle cramps and in tetany. And you can get this carpopedal spasm, but that's getting into sort of quite, um, quite um, severe cases by that point. And signs are equally very uncommon. And the, all the papers talk about Schofstek sign, which is where you tap over the facial nerve and that induces spasm or trousseau sign, which um, I think you would only try to elicit if you're a complete sadist. So um, you find someone with hypocalcemia, you put a blood pressure cuff on and you inflate it, and that induces this kind of carpopedal spasm, um, which sounds pretty unpleasant. So I don't think I'd be using that as a diagnostic tool anytime soon. Um, seizures, prolonged QT, um, laryngospasm, bronchospasm, all of these, again, features of severe disease. We might see some more of the subtle changes. So you might see this, um, uh, like nail changes, eczema, um, uh, which are probably going to be the main, main things that we might see in people who have had long-standing hypocalcemia. So what are we going to do about it? Well, Sundeep, he's got mild hypocalcemia. It's likely this has been a chronic decline. So, um, so what we really want to do is we want to just explore this in a bit more detail. We're going to need to get some more information with some, uh, with some additional blood tests. So we're going to look at his vitamin D status. We're going to check his, um, his renal function, his liver function, and ideally check that magnesium level as well. And when we do, we find he's actually severely deficient in vitamin D. So um uh, he's got darker skin he's got an office-based job he might not get much sun exposure um it's quite easy for this to happen even in the australian population so low vitamin d um renal function's okay um, magnesium levels slightly low we diagnose him with hypercalcemia due to secondary hyperparathyroidism due to vitamin d deficiency so we embark on a course of replacement vitamin D. We load him with weekly high dose vitamin D for six weeks. And the aches and pains that he's experiencing, they do get better. He's feeling okay. But when we check his blood tests again a month later, the calcium level is still low. So what on earth is going on here? Well, this will be because of his hypomagnesemia. I know what you're thinking. Oh, no, really? Um, but uh, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about hypomagnesemia because it's not a it's not an area which has a lot of research, a lot of data and a lot of guidance on. Um, but there's definitely this association. If you've got a low magnesium, then until that's corrected, the calcium will never uh, will never improve. And there are a couple of really common causes of hypomagnesium, uh, magne magnesemia that we need to be aware about. So firstly, proton pump inhibitors, um, often after extended use, and also diuretics. So thiazides, for instance, might drive this. And as particularly if they're being co-prescribed, then people can run into problems. So Sundeep, we stopped his PPI. He's okay without his omeprazole. We could continue on with his indapamide um, and just see how he goes. We check his calcium and magnesium after a few weeks. Both have come back to normal. We have corrected the problem. So conclusions then, um, consider 
in your patients whether low calcium levels are acute or chronic um, do they have any severe symptoms are they symptomatic if they are then they realistically need to go to hospital they're going to need rapid correction of um, of, of that calcium deficiency if they've got vitamin D deficiency, then we need to correct the abnormality. Most of the time, this will correct the calcium level. Um, consider the medications that are being prescribed. PPIs and diuretics both reduce the magnesium levels, which can then affect the, the calcium levels and will prevent us being able to, um, to, uh, to effectively bring those calcium levels up. So can they be stopped if they can? then let's get them off of those drugs. Um, if the cause remains uncertain, consider metastatic disease, consider rarer causes. We might need to get some more help here. And if someone's got a persistently low calcium, I'd probably think about getting some endocrine input. Thank you. That was Dr. Neil Tucker from NB Medical in the UK, presenting the latest updates on the guidelines in treating hypocalcemia in primary care. You can download a copy of the Keep It Simple Summary or KISS on hypocalcemia on the Medcast Downloads page. If you would like to learn more about the Hot Topics series of workshops, webinars and podcasts, please visit our website on www.medcast.com.au forward slash hot topics. <laughs>